Welcome to the recap, the part of our podcast where we recap the, fo- the previous week's sermon. I always want to say following. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. The previous week's sermon. Following weeks hasn't happened yet. Recap, really exciting content about pastoring. Mm. Preaching. Right? That works. Yep. Yep. Good. That was a great one. You came up with it, Dave. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Just wanted to make sure you didn't accidentally, you know, grab the... Yes, accidentally Accident. take credit. Yeah. Uh, People Stacey's- can't see your quotation marks <laughs> when they're listening. <laughs> I did. <laughs> air quotes. Oh, yeah, air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Stacy. Hey. How you doing? Great. Good. Dave's here. He preached the sermon. So we're going to recap it right now. What we're here for. We're off, we're off the rails already. All right. So Colossians 3, 5 to 17, it was the second sermon in kind of our two-week Identity in Christ Um series that we did from Colossians 3. So Dave, why don't you go ahead and give us the old recap <laughs> of what you said. Just do what you do at this part, Dave. Yep. Um, so we actually did verses 1 to 2 and then verses 5 to 17. And so uh, the reason we did it that way, last week we did verses 3 to 4, which is kind of this core, these core realities of our identity in Christ, died with him, hidden with Christ in God, and then... Uh, appearing with him in glory someday. So kind of the past, present, and future realities of our union with Christ. And so then verses one to two are kind of the foundational, what do we do with that? And Paul's main point there is simply that we should regularly turn our mind's attention to who Jesus is and what he's done because we are in him. So so when Jesus is seated at the right hand, uh, we should think about what that means because that's where we are, because we're in Christ. And so we're just constantly reminding ourselves of this uh, this new identity that we have in Jesus and uh, setting our minds on the one who has saved us and the one who reigns and rules over all things, rather than uh, being distracted by and ruled by earthly things. Uh, and so you'd say, well, what are the earthly things? Well, that's point number two uh, in verses five to 11, he says, put off what is earthly in you is actually the literal phrase. So what, what's earthly in you? And he, he kind of gives two lists. The first list being the sexual, immoral, sexual immorality and passage and desires and uh, covetousness and idolatry. And, uh, and then he gives another list with anger and, and wrath and malice. And so the, the way I take how he's splitting those up is the first list is kind of these things that rise up from within you. Uh, and, and they eventually come out of you, but they're kind of coming from within yourself. And he's emphasizing kind of the the inner struggles. Obviously, sexual immorality works its way out and passion de- desires work them, themselves out. But he says, what's in you? And then in the second list, he talks about, you know, basically how you're going to treat other people with uh, wrath and malice and, and all these kinds of things. And so, and, and the analogy I used is, you know, it would be a very strange thing to go uh, to a gravesite and, and dig up a <laughs> dig up a body and put on the old uh, uh, put on the old grave clothes mm-hmm. uh, that that body was wearing and, and that's what we're doing when we're walking in that in that sinfulness and when we're walking in those old patterns is that we're digging up that person that's died 
uh, with Christ and saying, no, we're going to act like them and talk like them and be like them. And so Paul would say, put it all off. And then the reasons he gives, both in verse 7 and then really at the end of the second list as well in verses 10 and 11 is, again, that's not who you are. You know, you, you, you used to walk in those things when you lived in them, he says. And so he's saying that's not your home anymore. That's not who you are anymore. So stop acting like it is. You know, don't be at home with your sin because it's not home anymore. Jesus is your home. And, um, and then also at the end, he, sa- he basically says, just be renewed in the image of your creator. Um, so we're being more and more transformed in the image of Christ from one degree of glory to the next. And so I said, we put these things off, but these commands are not meant to just be a list of do's and don'ts. They're meant to lead us into the life of Christ. So the commands of Christ lead us into the life of Christ. And so what we're after is not checking off the right boxes. We're after Jesus. <laughs> we, right. we want him. Uh, we want to we wanna live out the verse that says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In this life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So by faith, knowing we're dead to sin, uh, knowing we want to be renewed in the image of Jesus, we put off these old, we put off these old grave clothes. And then he has 12 to 17 is just a put on. Yep. Uh, so put on kindness and compassion and tender hearts. And he goes on and on and on and on. Um, and then uh, with this list of things, that's really the opposite of the second list in the first part. So to put off all those ways you'd be tempted to treat people and put on these new ways. And really the ground of that list is forgive others as God in Christ has forgiven you. So again, we're, we're doing who we are. Mm-hmm. Christ forgives this way. You're in Christ. So be like Christ. Um, and then he, uh, he, after that, gives two more commands. The first one is to um, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So uh, don't make your decisions or interact from, with other people or go about your life in a way where your anxiety and your anger and your frustration and your bitterness is ruling your life. Let the peace that you have with Jesus rule your life mm-hmm. and make decisions and live your life from that place of peace and rest and then be thankful and be thankful might like sound like really trite, you know, to us. Like, you know, like I tell, I tell my kids, Hey, thank the waiter, you know, like say, thank you, say please. But I think that what I, what I tried to draw out in the sermon, I didn't have nearly enough time to do it was thankfulness is gospel fullness on display. We are satisfied in Jesus. We are resting in Jesus. We have all we could ever need or want in Jesus. And therefore, the disposition of our hearts is thankful towards God, which makes us kind and generous towards other people, mm-hmm. not frustrated with God or and then needing to get something or be super bitter and callous towards others who aren't helping us get what we need. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it comes from a gospel fullness. And then yeah. verses 16 to 17, I think, is just a summary Hey, here's how you do this. You let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, uh, and you do that with each other. So you're, yep. you're, you're praying to God, you're reading the word, because that's how you fellowship with Jesus. You do that individually, and very importantly, you do that together, mm-hmm. uh, that you might walk in community in a way that will shape you and reorient you when you're tempted to, to fall away. So yeah, it's a quick summary. That's mm-hmm. great. Do you have any? Yeah, I was going to say, I thought... In the midst of all that, I don't remember where exactly you mentioned it, but the point about being isolated, I thought that was a really good pastoral point Mm -hmm. of um, 
you can't do these things alone. Like you need to be in community to even do these things. And we need the help of one another. And if you don't have community and you're isolated, that's going to probably not be good for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The, the world geographic analogy of the zebra, their gazelle who's off by themselves and always the one getting eaten by the lions or whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and it was helpful when I sent out the, there's a lot to cover in this passage. And so when I sent out my, I sent out my manuscript to a group of people every week beforehand and and Stacy said, Hey, I would, I would, where I could hang out in the community aspect here, uh, wherever you can. And so I think I I did two or three times just based on that feedback, because I thought that was really helpful. Because if 16 and 17 are Mm -hmm. the, here's how we actually do this, community is, is, is the the drumbeat mm-hmm. <laughs> in verses sixteen to seventeen, and so I thought it was important to bring it out a couple times, and and that yeah. the World Geographic thing was just an in the moment thing. Uh, I don't know where it came from. I don't know where many things come from up there, but I had a few people say that was a helpful uh-huh. analogy. Yeah, <laughs> the Holy Spirit, Dave. Uh-huh. The Holy Spirit interacting with my World Geographic viewing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Um, so what would you say, how would you answer a question, which I feel like is probably pretty common when people are thinking about their identity in Christ yeah. and being new creations and dead to sin. Yeah. And they're like, but I, I still feel drawn to sin all the time. Like, what? Mm-hmm. how am I dead to sin? Mm. Because I still want to sin. Mm-hmm. You know, like it doesn't yeah. feel very dead. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that's why the way I titled the sermon was Becoming Who We Are. Right. So I think that there's this, uh, uh, you know, we don't want to have an over-realized eschatology mm-hmm. or an under-realized eschatology. So an over-realized eschatology would say, you know, uh, would be like a name it, claim it, or even like a holiness movement kind of thing that would say, man, mm-hmm. there's you can in this life get to a place where you never sin anymore. That's mm-hmm. what it means to be dead to sin. Right. And uh, that that's that's been... Uh, you know, really prominent in some circles. And I think it, it, it becomes this deadly performance driven, scary guilt laden thing because you can't do that. Uh, yep. Cause mm-hmm. you still live in a broken, sinful world and you still have a broken, sinful body. And like you said, some of those things are still there. However, I, I tend to think um, that th- those circles are not our circles. Uh, we're not right. We're yep. not there. I tend to think, and maybe this is why I emphasize what I do sometimes, that in our particular reform circles, we're really good about talking about uh, total depravity oh, yeah. and uh, sin nature. Mm-hmm. So much so that I think we can almost get to a point where we don't actually believe we can overcome sin. And so that would be an underrealized eschatology, where I'd just say, mm-hmm. man, if you're hidden with Christ in God you can actually walk in newness of life. So there is a day coming where an anthropology, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a, a right anthropology would say there's a day where humans are going to be sinless in, in eternity with Jesus. They're never going to have an inclination to sin. It's going to be beautiful to see all of the beauty of Jesus. And I've said that, I said that a few times in the sermons too, like the old man isn't going to come knocking at the door anymore. Right. He's not going to try to sit down at your table anymore. Right now, he is because... Yep. It's messy and it's broken. And right now, you, the, the call of our lives is just to say, yeah, you don't get to sit down. <laughs> I see you. I feel you. Yeah. I want to mm-hmm. put on those grave clothes. 
man, and sometimes you don't even want to, but it's just what's easy in the patterns of your heart. And life gets hard and margin gets low and suffering comes and you just want to go back to that old habit or that old pattern because you just don't know what else to do and it's a broken world. Um, but in, in community and in the word and prayer, the goal would just be uh, believing your death to sin more and more in such a way that the condemnation and the shame doesn't trick you into isolation. Mm-hmm. And and that, uh, like what Romans 6 says, no longer enslaved to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the power mm-hmm. of canceled sins has been broken. Uh, yep. And so that, that's what we mean when we say dead to sin. And and more and more, we're going to live out that reality in maturity in Christ. And then one day it's going to be fully realized. We'll be like him mm-hmm. because we'll see him as he is. Yep. And the more we see him now, the more like him we'll be now. Yep. And I'm just so glad that we've been emphasizing that because it really is a radical paradigm shift to yeah. be thinking mm-hmm. in terms of your identity. It doesn't... Being dead to sin doesn't mean you never experienced temptation, like you said, but it right. does yep. mean that that is not who you are anymore. Yep. Right. And yeah. And that is that's, just that's such reality. a that's yeah. that's yeah. like it couldn't be more true. Yeah. Of you, if you're united to Christ, and that, I, I just don't think we think about that enough. I mean, that is such a radical thing mm-hmm. to actually like get your soul to believe. It could be why it could be why Paul says, "Set your mind on it." Right. Or yeah. or seek it. Yep. Or why Romans twelve says, you know, renew your minds in this. I think I think you're right. I think, and I, I that's another thing I said in the sermon that we haven't talked about yet. Is I said, you know, the the battle for holiness mm-hmm. starts by hanging out with Jesus. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And you and it starts in your mind, like all sin. <laughs> you know, it it just it's it's all floating around up here, and what and when you're filling to your point, when you're filling your mind with your identity in Jesus, mm-hmm. you're filling your mind with the beauty of Jesus and it's gonna push out those other beauties more slowly in this life than we wish it would. Yep. But really, yep. Uh, what's the what's the old uh, Puritan, the, the, the oh, what is it? The, uh, the expulsive, expulsive power, power of a new affection. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. yep. That's what it does. Yep. That's what it does. And you know, so many, I think all of us, in some ways we've spent years cultivating sinful habits. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But you can cultivate identity in Christ habits. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes. That's right. As you set your mind that's right. on Christ and your identity in him and the word and prayer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, it's not a just grit your teeth and do it, but that now you're in Christ and so that you can do that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you really can yeah. walk in newness of life. Yep. And to, and to know that you're dead to that old self and you're alive to that new self is a really, really powerful, for me, in like the practical fight against temptation and sin, it's a really powerful moment yep. in that process. Mm-hmm. That's the way I'd say it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Anything else from the sermon you wish you had more time to cover or want to say? I just feel like I had to rush through the second half really quick as far as, you know, what does it look like for... What does it look like to, to let the peace of Christ really reign in your heart and make those decisions? Mm. Um, this feels like a foundational kind of uh, self-counseling question <laughs> to, you know, to, to, to ask yourself. So, I, and so maybe all I'd say there is when, you're, um, when suffering comes or when sin is present or when you're in conflict with someone else and you're thinking about 
it. You're, you're, you're kind of rolling it over in your mind. You're deciding what to do, or you're just meditating on that situation. A good question to ask yourself is, are these thoughts flowing from a peace with God that knows nothing is up for grabs mm-hmm. or not? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think, I think if we all stopped and asked ourselves that question in the midst of our most harried and frustrated and anxious moments, it would be a good reorienting thing that would move us from uh, feeling a lack, feeling a frustration, feeling an emptiness to feeling like that, that, that gospel thankfulness and fullness that, that we want to live from, mm-hmm. uh, both in our own hearts and towards those people that mm-hmm. we're interacting with. You know, how would that, how would that change how you're thinking and maybe even the decisions that you're going you're gonna to move forward with? So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That was one area I just thought. As, as, I was, as I was preaching, I felt like I am already pushing us late on time and I cannot go into one of my little sidebar things I do here, but I wish I could have said more about it. Yeah. Well, there's so much you could say about it. And I just felt like these two sermons are so foundational for how we practically live the Christian life Mm -hmm. is what are we believing about our identity? Mm -hmm. You know, and just Mm -hmm. you camped out a little bit on the verses that we're God's chosen ones, holy Mm -hmm. and beloved, Mm -hmm. like kind of like what you were just saying, you know, in those moments, am I believing Mm -hmm. that I'm chosen and beloved by God mm-hmm. and holy. Mm-hmm. And then how does that impact what I'm going to do in this situation yep. Yep. Um, or treat somebody else? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, probably another topic for a totally different podcast altogether, but it's why we sing songs. Right. <laughs> like, <clears throat> like we just did this last Sunday, you know, who you say I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or the week before, oh, uh, mighty hand. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it's because like, if we actually believed, mm-hmm. like there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. you are a child of God. You know, he does, he puts the ring on your finger. He puts the robe on your back. He throws your arms around you and says, you're my son, you're my daughter. Mm-hmm. Like if yep. we believed that, that would change everything. And, that, so. and, and it's just important. I mean, and, and sometimes the identity in Christ thing, because identity, like to your point, identity in the world gets very me focused. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I, I, so here's another thing. I was, gonna, I was gonna actually do my whole introduction on it. Just thought, uh, not enough time to do that really well. But our identity in Christ is totally Christ focused. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which makes it such a more sturdy identity and completely different. And it also is why when we sing those songs, it's not man-centered. Yeah. It's God-centered because we're worshiping him mm-hmm. for what he proclaims and declares about us. Mm-hmm. And so it's a radical shift from all the identity stuff that's going on in the world because it's not, it's not Dave-centered, mm-hmm. it's Christ-centered. And for me to sing those songs or to remind myself of these things is not, is not self-help and it's not, um, you know, it, it's, it's not that, it's, it's me going, no, what is... I'm going to live in submission to what God says is true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not what I think is true or right. what I feel is true. And I'm going to live in submission, uh, bowing before Jesus and saying, I, I don't feel this way right now. I don't feel like I'm worthy. I don't feel like I'm loved. I don't feel like I could be, but you say I am. 
Right. And so I'm going to believe you because you're, you're worth me trusting in. Yep. You're worthy of that. And so it's a totally God-centered thing to live out mm-hmm. our identity when we sing or when we pray or when we call these things to mm-hmm. mind. That yes. is totally opposite from the identity stuff going on in right. the world. Another way yep. to say it is we're, we're all about like the glory of God, yeah. right, as a church. Yep. So like, oh, you know, sing songs about God's glory and his majesty. And, and God's glory is wrapped up <laughs> in his love for Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And us being united to Christ and then him loving us as yep. he loves Jesus. Mm-hmm. God's glory is wrapped up in that. Yep. Right? Yep. yep. Like that's part of the display of God's glory. Yep. And so singing those songs about our identity in Christ and reminding ourselves of those truths is giving glory to God. Yeah. Like his glory is just wrapped up inextricably in those realities because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and no matter what you sing or what you, you know, wh- and what we're after is just like, you know, we're not after any Sunday morning or any one sermon doing all the work. Mm-hmm. We're trying over the course of 20 or 30 yeah, years right. to preach the whole counsel of God and sing the whole counsel of God that we would protect ourselves from, you know, you can sing all a bunch of songs about God's glory way up in the air and just and just go, oh, God's some distant fireworks show. Mm-hmm. That's a danger. Or you could sing some of the songs we sing and go, it's all about me. Yep. yep. Um, and, and what we're trying to do is through preaching and singing and worship and everything, just go, what does the Bible say? (laughs) How how does God reveal his reality to us? And we should spend a lot of time thinking about that from all the various angles. Yep. And we got a shot then at being sanctified. Yep. Amen. I feel like we just did a little promo for the way we do worship and that's fine because I love the way we do worship (laughs) and always glad to help you out. (laughs) I'm always thinking about this stuff. So, all right. Thanks guys. This is really good.